0: Welcome to The Refuge, a CERC podcast to share our research with practitioners and communities. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is Anwar al-Hajjush. He's a social activist and community organizer and the program and intercultural coordinator at the Montreal City Mission. Hala Yunis is 15, lives in Montreal, and is Palestinian. And Dr. Stacey Wilson Forsberg is an associate professor in the Human Rights and Human Diversity Program at Wilfred Laurier University, also the director of the SHEPO Institute of the Study of Contemporary Africa. Thanks for coming to the refuge today.
1: Thank you. You're 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 welcome.
0: You for us, I guess. Oh yeah. Um yeah, so COVID has been something that we've all dealt with globally, and it's something I think we'll delve deeper into um in this episode. But I wanna start with you first. Uh Stacey, could you tell us a little bit about your project that you work with, that you work on through
2: CERC? Sure. We we received uh, CERC funding. Uh, It was rapid uh, COVID response research funding uh, to do research uh, at a local community organization in Waterloo, Ontario called Adventure for Change. Adventure for Change works with a community of youth and their parents, mainly moms, uh, who have refugee backgrounds largely from Somalia, Eritrea, Ethiopia and Sudan. Um, so we've been working with the youth and their moms for a while on, on various projects, and one of the bigger projects is, uh, is uh, working to uh, build the mother's confidence so that they can engage with the high schools, uh, their, their kids' schools, so that they can um, advocate. Uh, for their children, um, help make uh, education ed- educational decisions. Uh, so we broke a piece of that bigger project uh, when the pandemic hit uh, to look at how these mothers were working with their teenage children at home uh, to do online schooling during the series of lockdowns that uh, Southern Ontario went through uh, during the, I guess it's 18 months now of, of the COVID pandemic. Mm. And Anwar,
0: you want to share a bit about your own project?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's our project at Montreal City Mission. It's to work a concrete projects with, with people, with, human, uh, um, and with the human and with the families. We work with all families as a package, not just for, you know, uh, youth and women and uh, and the seniors and kids. And I think it's during the COVID-19 period, it, it, it's, it's difficult for everybody. Imagine for those families, they just came to Canada and already they have one million challenges to deal with it. Add on top of that the COVID, you know, you find some of those families in the process to get their papers, medical cards, uh, welfare, and they're stuck in the middle without any support. We thought that the best thing to do during the COVID or at the beginning of the COVID just to switch our program adapting to the needs of the people. So we have a group of women, refugee women, newcomer women that they started soon a circle and they took kind of you know responsibility. They said, OK, we are here to do things for the community. And they switched their program to produce masks and they did more than 2000 masks to distribute for the old community and for the uh, uh, NGOs and uh, and and homeless. So this is you know, it's it says sometimes you find your strength in the most difficult times. And I think it's it's a good example for those women. While they, I'm not saying that they giving the chance. They took the chance. They stand up and said, "Hey, we are here. We want to to switch this." Psychologically, element that we are refugees, so we are in need. No, we are not in need. We want to contribute. I think it's also the the mm. the to be open to those community, to those families, and let them feel sense of belonging. They they know what they want, and they know, and they have a lot of things to to give back to the community.
0: Mm, mm. Um, how are... How was uh, your experience the very first lockdown during
3: COVID for you? Well, at first I was happy because like there's no school <laughs> and they're like, I, I don't need anything. I have my phone, I have Netflix, I have everything. But then it started to get lonely because I didn't have that much friends and I wasn't that social before. Mm. So I just, the whole time I would just think about it and be like, oh, I wish I made more friends. Oh, it's, it's like so sad to be alone and oh like i finished everything i need to watch so it was it was just boring for a whole month i sat down and didn't do anything
0: (laughs) yeah i can't yeah i can't even imagine what you went through um stacy what are some challenges you notice with online learning especially with the mothers that you were part of your program
2: yeah um, well, we noticed, first of all with with the young people, we noticed that the girls tended to do okay, like Hala. Um, they were pretty task oriented. They they uh, went on there and they did their homework and they just kept on going and their and their grades really stayed stable uh, throughout the pandemic. The boys, not so much. Um, but with the moms, uh, online learning added a whole other layer, uh, as Anwar mentioned, to many other challenges. Uh, most of these moms spent a, a really large portion of their lives in in refugee camps in Kenya and and Dadaab and Kakuma. Uh, They were missing large pieces of education. Some of them had never been to school at all. Um, And it turned out um, that many of these moms couldn't read or write. Um, so not only were they dealing with with not not having a, a, a very uh, they they spoke uh, multiple languages um, English is probably their fourth language um, and they didn't have high English levels but not they didn't have high literacy levels either um, so the schools were communicating via email and and the moms couldn't read the emails uh, and they couldn't respond to the emails so they got lost quite quickly. Uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then you add the layers of of Teams or Zoom or whatever technology they were using and they really felt left out. Um, They really needed to to help their kids, but they couldn't. Um, Their kids were in their rooms with their doors closed. They weren't sure if they were doing schooling, if they were playing video games, we're all in that position. Um, So they were just really lost. Um, They just didn't know um, what was going on. They didn't know the, the school system or the curriculum. And but I think the biggest change was they just couldn't communicate with the teachers, whereas before they could wow. physically go to the school and go in person and talk with them. And now it was all over email. And they, you know, they, they preferred to be at least be able to speak on the phone. Um, at least if the teachers could give voicemails on the phone, they could listen to the voicemail a couple of times and then wow. and then be able to try to have that conversation. Um, but email, the technology was was really difficult for them.
0: Mm. Anwar, do you want to add something to that?
1: Yeah, I think that's what uh, Stacey said. It's really, we, we saw it here in Montreal with the, the families and their children. Uh, add to that also the element of the physical space. Because even those mm-hmm. families, even if they came from you know a refugee camp, the kids can play outside. It's still the space. They see the sun. And because a lot of them, they have a lot of kids, they cannot rent, you know, an apartment in the third, fourth floor. They have almost one option, which is basement, semi basement, uh, four and a half. Uh, uh, for a family with four kids, no son. Even before the COVID, I used to go to visit families, and you see the tension in the air, in the in the basement, in the room. It's it's you know you 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 you. Hmm. They feel bad. And with the COVID, with the challenges mm. that, first of all, as the youth they say no computers. No, they don't use computer anymore. Yeah. And suddenly, four kids, two bedrooms, each one wants to, wants to to, uh, to you know to study online. Even if someone provided the mm. instruments, the computers physically, they cannot. Yes. They don't have this option. And this is, you know, it jumps beyond the youth start the conflict who's who who's occupying the room this is my my turn and i think it's most the mom pays the price
2: yeah no i just want to add to that because yes indeed uh, in in waterloo the high schools gave the kids chromebooks to take home so they were able to to you know to equal to have that equality among students however there was no space. I mean, we're we're talking about families. Some of them have fourteen kids, uh, in very yeah. small houses. So the, the the moms were quite worried that yes, we have the computer, but we don't have a table and chair. Um, we yeah. don't have they don't have a private space to be able to work. Or of course, the Wi-Fi was the other issue. Um, that that yeah. the Wi-Fi wasn't strong enough to handle so many kids doing homework at once. Uh, other cases where the computers came late. Um, and they had to choose who got the computer. So the boys got the computer and the girls had to wait uh, until the weekend. Um, and the girls often would miss the deadlines because they, they, it was, they, they were given that the computer second. Um, but space was a huge, and not just for sunlight, um, space was a huge issue just to find that quiet space to be able to, to do the homework.
1: It's just the, you know, the question of space creates conflicts between the family, not just for the studying and the issue. Some families, they really, I'm not saying don't don't care, but this is a second priority, third priority, because they have many other challenges, actual challenges. You know, suddenly they they, because usually before COVID, kids go to the school for for eight hours, so they have a space, but now they must they should stay together, and this is you know staying together. It's not easy. Mm. For imagine for families that they already have challenges maybe they don't have income the space is small for them um, they don't know the language so it's really tough uh from you know physical uh, space to a psychological issue and mental health issue with
0: COVID, you mentioned at first you know it seemed okay and then you noticed you were lonely but once it started going online were there any challenges you faced um where online study was concerned online learning was concerned
3: well i didn't understand how it worked at first because i'm not good with electronics so all the time i asked the teacher like how would i join this class and then we used to use teams and it was like really hard to find my account and sometimes I would log out by accident and then they would tell me oh yeah you need to get the account from the school so like I need to message the school to get my account again and then like from each class you have the we have the 15 minute break so sometimes I like sit down or anything but then I forget about it and then they put me as absent and also sometimes my mic doesn't work or something and I keep telling my teacher like, oh, my monkey isn't working. How do, like I text the teacher and they still put me up absent. Oh no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Something that came to mind, Anwar, when you were talking about these difficulties, was like when it comes to the relationship between the parents and, and the child or children, did you notice any conflicts or any challenges there?
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, it's a, uh... It's just a start, or sometimes it's a an uh, excuse to raise this conflict and and uh, and uh, be up, you know, flowing up. And I think it's, you know, it's a it's a refugees and the newcomers, and uh, a small communities. While they, when they come here, it's a it's a it's a different approach. It's I'm speaking of myself how I came here and. You know, I, I, I coming from a between uh, uh, family to, uh, to, I, I went to Italy study there and then I came here and I find difficulties. I find at the beginning when I came, how, for example, um, 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 uh, I, I couldn't, you know, I call someone, I expect that someone answers at the office or, uh, or uh, um, when I say something, someone else. Uh, could understand differently. If I imagine those families with the COVID, Mm. they have to deal with those challenges, with those difficult... I'm not sure if it's difficult, but culturally difficult. Culturally uh, uh, different, Mm. and and they don't know exactly how to react, what to do. And as you, Stacey, also said before, it's also there's no direct, no individual connection that I can... Come and meet Israel and speak to him and explain everything. It's by phone. If it's if you are lucky, you got to speak to someone, and and this is creates tension because the expectation that oh we are here in Canada, so it's heaven. No, it's not heaven. It's 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 longer process before uh, getting there. So so it's it's a uh, the 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 high expectation. People they find it really with the challenges. And starts the conflict mm. between parents, between women and men, uh, youth. So we we have we started during the um, the COVID uh, period, which is re- reconciliation within the the uh, newcomer families, which is speaking to a social worker from the community with their language, with their terms, without without any misunderstanding, and explain how I can do what what are the solutions because we i am thinking that oh my kids they are different my kids they are learning bad things no this is what the kids learn outside i have as a parent i need to start mm. to hey maybe i have to to change to start adapt myself to start understand that something happening and i think it's when 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 people when parents especially, got this point that, hey, there's something with me too. This is 50% of the solution. And and you see the group, the mm. families within the group, with the, uh, with the sessions, with the social worker. It's amazing how they realize that also they have to do something, not just their kids and their, their
2: youth. Do you want to add something to that, Stacy? I mean, as, as Anwar mentioned, um, parents are used to having their kids in school. <laughs> um, so <laughs> having so many kids at home um, it was really hard on, on the moms. It was the mothers who, who took care of the house and who took it. And in many cases, the fathers weren't in the, weren't in the picture. It was just the moms uh, and, and others. The father was at work. Um, so um, just so much more domestic tasks, uh, on, on, put on the mother and the sisters, uh, they're the girls in the family. Um, they, um, because they just weren't getting a break because there were so many kids in the house. Um, another issue beyond conflict and finding space was food security. Um, these families uh, were accustomed to their kids going to school, where the school often provided snacks and perhaps even breakfast. Um, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of teenagers in the house, and they eat a lot. Um, so they were they were quite surprised at how how much the food bill was was going up. Um so those were surprise, I, I, not surprising. I mean, we knew we knew this, but still it was interesting to to hear them to hear them talking about that.
0: Covid changed a lot of things, but as, you know, vaccines happened, and then um, different provinces and in, in the country opened at different times. and then, children could go back to classes. Hala, how was your first experience going back to class uh, after the lockdown?
3: Uh, At first I was excited to meet new people, but then I got scared because like, I realized that I haven't seen people for like six months. (laughs) And uh, I was just like sitting in in the corner and I was like, I should socialize because if that happens again, I should have more friends. And it was really hard to study because I already got used to online school. (laughs) And, like, they didn't actually teach us anything during online school. They would just, like, I don't know. It was always a connection problem. They would talk about that or, like, they would talk about another student who wasn't there. So we didn't actually learn anything. And when the teachers started, like, speaking about what happened last year... Like, as in studies, I didn't understand anything because, I like, I didn't study anything at all during quarantine.
0: Anwar, so isolation is something that came up, uh, uh Hala mentioned. But, like, as I said, things opened up and we're now meeting in person. How did you... Did you notice any changes for um, people that you worked with?
1: Yes. I think it's, uh, you know, because especially with the, the newcomers and the refugees they they passed through a difficult period when they are coming here so are they already strong people those families when you, when when they you know this experienced the covid challenges they said okay we we passed more uh, difficult than that and many of our activities during the mm. the covid came from the women, especially women that say, okay, we want to do something. We don't want to, because, you know, everybody was, as you mentioned, Hala. it's um, afraid, you know, no risk outside, social distance. I don't want to go uh, use the metro. So we can't stack with our projects. And women, one of our uh, WWD, Women Weaving Their Dreams, came with the idea to, okay, I want to make a sport sport activity in the park with a with a, a physical uh, uh, distance. So they started um, activities on the park that anyone can join uh, twice a, a week, one hour and a half, just to see people because otherwise you, you're going to stay all day at home. Okay, winter, what we can do? They switch it to Zoom. Mm. And this is for free. Uh, a refugee women who, you know, who organize and deals with everything. Again, French language on the park, they do it. Uh, uh, Walking together in the park, we we worked with a, a nice Syrian uh, guy who has an online shop. And I said, look, we have uh, an issue with seniors. We want you to help us. So, okay, I will be bringing the, the food, the grocery. And one of his guys will stay 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to chat with the seniors in Arabic or, in, you know, because we we try to send someone that really speaks the original word. Now it's, it's, it's not just time for reintegration. It's time for feeling, being good within themselves, sense of belonging because we work with many seniors mm. and sometimes they stay at home for, for, for three, four days without seeing anyone. I, We work with a Syrian senior He passed away during the COVID and his fear was to die and stay at home a week, nobody knows. So we kept really to come to visit him. Each day I come one day, Arwa's uh, mom uh, Hala, uh, mom Arwa, other volunteers, other youths to take responsibility and just hide from the window or to see that he's not alone. So I think it's this kind of a transformation of mm-hmm. the, the role of the refugees family and the newcomers from who need to who really can uh, add and work a lot for the community was was amazing. Really, it's, I'm, I'm positively surprised that they they need, they need a chance, As sometimes we I speak myself as a professional, Mm. I'm a social worker, I'm a community organizer, so I know more than them and I want them to do what I do. No, it's not true. They can come with ideas that I can learn from them, Mm. many things, so just open the door and they will will fly.
0: Hala, I wonder, with your experience so far, uh, and now I think classes are in person, are there any recommendations you can give just in general?
3: socialize you have to socialize with a lot of people and also focus with your teacher so don't like don't like sleep in class or use your phone just try if you can't resist yourself put your phone in your locker or something just so Mm -hmm. you can stay with your teacher because it's really hard to concentrate when you have your phone in front of you
0: it is it is um stacy from your research and and uh project so far any recommendations
2: yeah, just that that constant communication between schools and 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 k- kids, but parents uh, primarily and really understanding that that there, there has to be different, a variety of ways of, of communicating and that email doesn't work for everybody. And and it can't be assumed that that people have access to the technology that, yes, the kids have Chromebooks from the school, but the, the, the moms don't uh, or the moms don't know how to use them. Um, so, yeah. using d- Zoom and Teams and all of that video conferencing that now has become second nature to the rest of us, um, be really careful with that technology uh, and find uh, find other ways to reach out to to these these parents for sure.
1: Mm. Thanks, Stacey. Anwar. Give youth more responsibility, more uh, you know, more involved, community involvement. Throw them in the organizations, the NGOs we have. Many, many organizations that really would love to have youth and give them volunteering work to appreciate life and to feel responsibility and break isolation. And the second uh, recommendation, I would say, give more money to the NGOs. Give more money to MCM.
2: Yes, absolutely. Because we are doing a fantastic job. <laughs> Mm. It's the NGOs that are on the ground. It's the NGOs that work with these families every day. Um, mm. They are the and they're the main bridge between the schools and the families. It's so important uh, to, to fund them. Funding is such a big issue.
0: Mm. Wow! Um, Hala, Stacey, and I want to thank you so much for coming to the refuge today and for sharing um your experience and of course the recommendations uh, money is really really important so thank you so much for sharing thank
3: you thank, you. Much thank you for having us, us.